And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, I'm joined by Dave DeFore of The Athletic to talk about the new Nets. Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson, Spencer Dinwiddie. I guess he's not a new Net, but we talk about all of it uh, coming up here on the show. But first... I'm going to talk a little bit about that Nick Stats game by myself. Welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Brian is not here. I have released him from his duties with the team. No, coming up, I have a great interview with Dave DeFore talking about sort of like all the decisions that the Nets made <laughs> involving Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. We also talk about really the focus was like, who who are these new Nets? What can they do? And maybe even planning it out in the future a little bit, because I think one of the interesting questions about this team is Sean Marks did not make... After trading Kyrie, after trading Kevin Durant, and then shipping off Jay Crowder to Milwaukee, he could have made more moves, right? We heard reports that Bridges was could have been had for Memphis for four first-round picks. Uh, I'm sure there was rumors that Royce O'Neal was rumored to go to Cleveland at some point. Rumors, rumors, rumors. What is this, Fleetwood Mac? Um you know, there's other nets that maybe could have moved. I can't believe that Seth Curry is still on this team. Not sure what's going on there. And Joe Harris probably could have been moved as well. So we talked a lot about it with Dave. But first, before we get to that interview, a fantastic interview. I mean, we what do we want to talk about? Do we really want to talk about Nick's Nets? Do we want to talk about, you know, a blowout against the hated rival Knicks? The Knicks' first win against the Nets, and I think in like 10 games or it was a nine-game winning streak by the Nets. I think early on, there is a clear thing that we've seen with the new Nets, the bridges to the future. They are potentially, when everything works out, a monster on the defensive end. Now, it feels hard to say that after they gave up 124 points to the Knicks, but when you visually just see them, when you see Dinwiddie as the main point guard, who's 6'5 or 6'6, and you know, he isn't actually a good defender. Um, he the statistics will show that in Dallas he got roasted. He was one of the worst perimeter defenders in the NBA, uh, at least from the ones that I was seeing. I think part of that is the fact that Dinwiddie was asked to guard sort of the other team's best perimeter player. Um, him or Finney Smith, frankly, because Luca wasn't going to do that. That's just like, you know, when you have a guy like Luca Doncic, you're not asking him to also then guard James Harden, Shea Gillis, Alexander. 
Dinwiddie had to be placed in those situations. Um, I, I, I think he is relatively a good defender. Of course, athletically, he should be a very good defender. And seeing him out there surrounded by Finney Smith, who is so long and pretty big in terms of bulk, Miles Br- Mikhail Bridges, not Miles Bridges, God, uh, Mikhail Bridges, Claxton, whether it be Cam Johnson, Royce O'Neal, Yuda when he's out there, Ben Simmons when he's out there, very slightly. It is just so much length. It is absurd that the, the length that the Nets have. And again, the Nets got blown out by the Knicks. And I don't want to go crazy, but I think the Nets are going to be a team that a lot of teams in the playoffs really don't want to see in the first round. Just because defensively it will be they will be so tough to deal with that they will be able to in a particular matchup, whether it is against the Celtics, you know, I'm looking more teams more sort of like wing perimeter oriented. Think about that Celtics matchup. You know, the the Celtics are the best team in the NBA. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and and I, if the Nets are the eighth seed coming out of this, because that's probably where the, this projection is going to go, it would mean that the Nets have sunk fairly low. I mean, right now, after the Sticks game, they are the fifth seed. They have 33 wins. They have one more win than both the Heat and the Knicks. The Heat are six and the Knicks are seven. And then the Hawks, who lost, who got blown out themselves by the Hornets, are the eighth seed at a 500 record of 29 and 29. So it's not actually as massive of a gap between 29 wins to 33 wins that the Nets have. But, you know, the Nets are a completely new team, and I think we have to pause any criticism just to realize that fact, that the Nets, you know, as much as we want to think, okay, there must be some a breath of fresh air element, sort of the honeymoon period about the team, the fact that KD is gone and Kyrie is gone, sort of the black cloud that had hung over the team has dissipated. Well, the people that are left haven't played that much basketball together. You have the the old Mavericks, now new Nets. You have the old Suns, now new Nets. You have the remaining Nets who are conforming and fitting in and finding new roles. You have Ben Simmons playing 13 minutes in this game, only taking two shots. You have Cam Thomas, who his emergence, the multiple 40-point games, now he's getting more minutes. Mixing that all with Royce O'Neal and Joe Harris, Joe who's getting less minutes. All of it is this is a fairly new team. But I do think that if you're the Cavaliers, if you're the Celtics, there is some level of, I don't want to see all that length. I don't want to see all that defensive potential that the Nets have. But almost none of that matters, right? Like, you know, the Nets aren't going to compete for a championship this year. The thing that I just appreciate are the vibes. I appre- uh, how could you not enjoy the vibes? I Again, I know it blow up. But the, the fact that when you watch the game, you can just simply enjoy it, that you can actually watch it without thinking that this is life or death in terms of is Kevin Durant going to be mad because the team's not playing that well or is Kyrie simply just going to disappear at some point and we not see him for th- you know two to three weeks. Um, all of it ties back together to this is the good vibes team. And I'm I'm extremely excited to see how this team gels together in the final stretch here of the season. 
I think we're going to learn who's going to stay and who's going to go because I do think this offseason, I put this out on Twitter, I think the Nets have like 13 players under contract or in team control for next year, an absurd number. They have a lot of an ability to, in the offseason, be the primary trading partner because they have so many wings and everyone wants wings. So I am mostly focused, though, on how this team could play now, how they can progress together. Is Bridges more than sort of the third best player or fourth best player on a contending team? Is he more than the, as Dave DeFore talks about in this episode, you know, the best version of a 3 and D player right now in the NBA? Is he actually more than that? Seth Partnow, a friend of the show, who's also on Nerder with Dave DeFore, had somewhat jokingly, but somewhat maybe possibly thinking of um, like being a little bit honest when Bridges in that first game against the 76ers came out and was playing pretty well. Uh, it you know talked about how like is Bridges going to be this version of SGA of like a guy who we didn't think was the main point of the trade, but then explodes on some level. Now, he hasn't done that yet. I mean, the first game against the 76ers, such a close game. You know, he missed that shot there at the end, layup that they could have had. He had 23 points, a very good game. In this game tonight, he didn't do what, you know, he's two for eight from the field. He had three assists. You know, he's not a ball distributor in terms of that level, and he only had seven points. So it's not to go crazy, but he is talented. I'm excited to see him play. Excited to see who Cam Johnson Cam Johnson is and whether he's going to be worth, you know, the fifteen twenty million dollar contract that this team is going to lay out. Anyways, I I apologize for talking by myself here, um, and one last thing, I will try not to talk about Kyrie Irving. We talked a little bit with Dave about Kyrie Irving, and literally right now I am seeing. Uh, a tweet from Mark Stein about Kyrie and how he doesn't want to answer questions about his long-term future in Dallas, asserting that they will create unwanted distractions for the team and describe the topic as, quote, very draining. I just don't want to... I, I can't go down that road. I I don't think you guys care about Kyrie anymore, right? I don't think... I think we as a team, we as a fan base who follows the team cares about Kyrie anymore. Um, you know, I, I'm interested. There's a great New York magazine article uh, detailing Kyrie's time in Brooklyn, his sort of evolution from a high school prospect, really more of his thinking and his way of life than really anything about basketball. And I read it. I devoured it. I, there was screenshots that I could have tweeted out and, said one thing or the other, um, whether good or bad. Oh, look what Kyrie's doing here, and oh, look what he's doing here. I'm giving up the culture wars on that front. I I will, and it's a blessing to not have to be in them. And hopefully these current Nets, and I, you know, kind of crossing my fingers here, this current Good Vibes team doesn't let me down and start to wade into controversies that uh, Kyrie often waded into, or self-created controversies. Thank you for listening this far. Um, coming up, Dave DeFore and I, for about 30 minutes, talking about the Nets, their future, and their current 
what what they can expect right now in this season. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, joining me now, one of the brightest basketball minds in the world, Dave DeFore. Oh, do you like that? Good I intro? do like that. Yeah. Deliver, I, I, hey, please send this to the... Everybody that works uh, above me at the athletic, I want to make sure that they know <laughs> Mr. Mike Smeltz, yeah. the king of audio at yeah, the athletic, ex- executive producer. Of, you know, no. that's right. There's I like mean, twelve what does executive he know producers. About talent? Everything at, um, at the athletic. Um, Dave hosts Nerder, uh, the Friday show on the, mm-hmm. the Athletic NBA show. He also you do some ding, uh, which is fantastic. I do Dave, love to ding every now and then. Yeah, you love to ding. Um, I wanted to bring Dave on because Dave. Um, actually watches basketball across the NBA and it's not so myopic in his view where I just watch the Nets essentially <laughs> the Nets made moves I don't know if you heard the Nets had made some moves at the deadline is that a basketball team or <laughs> it, it now actually is it used to not be um, for three years it wasn't and now it is um, it's exciting I, we're recording this now it's 9 43 p.m. Eastern Standard Time the Nets are currently down by 12 to the hated New York Knicks but I wanted to talk to you because I know you know who all the new Nets are, strengths and weaknesses. Yes. But before we get yes. to all of that, if you can, if we can even try to grapple with what just happened with the Nets over the past week, how do you think they they did? Them being Sean Marks, or you know, how do you think the team did tearing down what was you know the superstars and friends team and turning it into you know good vibes? 3D, 3D length, and all of that. I mean, look, uh, it, the NBA is built around signing stars, right? So signing those two guys, that's a win, right? It's a right. huge win until you actually have to then live with those people, right? <laughs> like deal with them all the time. Um, but to be able to get back what they got, I mean, look, you're trading Kevin Durant and uh, the Rudy Gobert trade is an aberration, right? So you're you're trading Kevin Durant. You're never getting adequate value for Kevin Durant. And he's playing at an MVP level. So, uh, you know, the Nets lose the trade, period, right? That You just cough it up to as a loss. It is a loss. But what did they recoup? I mean, I think they did pretty well. They got a bunch of picks. They got a swap. They got two really good wings. 
Um, one, uh, Mikael Bridges with, with all the, you know, he's got a couple years left on his deal and man, Memphis offered four firsts for him. I bet that offers, you know, at least somewhere close to that in the summer, if they decide that they really want to just tear it down and, and go into asset collection, Cam Johnson, um, sign in trade candidate for other teams, but also a good young three and D wing that maybe if you just want to rebuild quickly and try to bounce back. That's a guy that could play for you, just like Mikael Bridges. And then they get Dorian Finney-Smith, who kind of similar vein as those other two. Um, I, I, they loaded up on on big guys, like guys who are 6'7", 6'8", that can shoot and can mostly defend. Spencer Dinwiddie, not really. But um, th- in a league where those guys are at a premium. So I think they did okay. I, I just think that overall, man, if I was a Nets fan, it must suck to just feel relief. <laughs> that your team traded away one of the 10 best players ever. I, I just Who, Kyrie. Yeah, yeah, no, um, he wouldn't <laughs> have been on my top 75. Uh, but I, I just, I think it must suck to feel a, a certain amount of relief that you could just go back to watching basketball. And, and it's, it does suck, man. That team was still fun this year. Like Nick Claxton is awesome, and he was great with Kyrie, and, and you know everything was going so well. And then you know you you probably were sitting there thinking, "Wow, we're going to get KD back and add him to this." All right, we got a chance. I even said a couple weeks ago, I, I would take them against just about anybody because of that one-two punch. Once you get to playoff time, you got two guys that can guarantee you a good attempt at a at a bucket, right? That's huge in the playoffs. We know that. And Claxton had come along so well, has played Embiid really well. He played against Boston really well. Man, I had a lot of hope for this team. So I can't imagine what it must have been like as a Nets fan. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a complete mind F, this entire experience. You know, the, the elation, I talk about this all the time. It was June 30th, 2019. It was Pride Day in New York. I'm walking through New York City celebration right like pride pride day in new york if you've you've never seen it it's one of the craziest days on the calendar parties everywhere um and i'm walking through and you get the first inkling i think it was from Woj, you know that clean sweep is the famous tweet the nets got deandre jordan kevin durant and kyrie (laughs) and so like you knew and you knew even from the beginning there was this mind f of we're getting Kevin Durant, but we're getting him with an Achilles tear, right? So even the conversation at that time oh, was you, like, "You meant the actual Achilles tear, not Kyrie Irving, not Kyrie Irving." Which and and there's so much to get into about him, but it's like, so even from the very beginning, it was um, disjointed. It was there was no cohesion, and so Kyrie comes, and um, you know, then he has a shoulder impingement which again, the way it was described and the way it was relayed to us, us as fans was never enough information. And so this team was constantly never enough information. And it's, it's interesting because we had the quotes from James Harden very recently where he described essentially like shit wasn't good over there. Like the second he got there, he got a sense and then he learned more and more about what was going on. But even in those revealing quotes, we didn't get like the, to the seed of it. You know, we got we got to the outer shell of the avocado, right? We got to peel that back and we saw that it wasn't well, actually it was probably a rotten avocado, you know. But it was we just never still have fully dug in on yeah. like 
it must have been so bad inside that locker room, inside that franchise, on a multiple levels, that a guy like James Harden, who you know has never really been a culture uh, bro, never been like a guy who you think of as like a a very like he he just he played with CP3 and was like I don't want to play with that guy anymore. He gets to Brooklyn, is like this is bad for me. Like I want to get out of here. So it is. I don't know, emotionally as a Nets fan, Kevin Durant leaving, it's heartbreaking and it sucks. And it's not like Kyrie where you could have jumped off that Kyrie ship a long time ago. And when he departs, you're like, thank God. KD was still, you know, we were arguing with other teams' fans on the internet about how KD's the MVP, right? And things like that. And uh, he gets traded for... Bridges and Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder like it's turned into I think only two second round picks in the end Um, and you know Josiah gets to save a bunch of money and I I will ask you this before we get to like the specific players the Nets got there's an implication that the trade happened it was just like a sort of a one-on-one negotiation that Matt Ishbia and Josiah eventually they were the ones that hashed out as Woj reported I think he said they uh haggled over the final details and that other people around the league reacted. They didn't even know Kevin Durant was available. Um, What do you think of that strategy and why do you think that was the case? I mean, I'm guessing the framework for this deal has been sitting there since the summer, right? Like this didn't just come together. It doesn't come together overnight. So I'm assuming that they just reached out to Phoenix. They probably... You know, my guess is maybe even had a little wink, wink deal with KD where it's like, hey, here's my list. If you guys decide it's time to move me or whatever, um, you know, I'll give the, I'll come back, give this thing a shot. But if we, you know, decide it's time, then move me to one of these places. So they probably just didn't put out that many calls because when you look around the league, where's KD want to go? You know, he doesn't want to go play for the Lakers for sure. So when you think about teams that would now everyone's in on a KD deal, don't get me wrong, but yeah. where does KD want to go? I don't think he's a Miami Heat guy. He, you know the Bulls are kind of out. I mean, so when you start looking around, I mean, maybe like Denver would be interested, but would KD want to go to Denver? I I don't know. So I, I think when you when you start thinking about it from that standpoint, where did KD say, okay, I, I'm good? Well then no need to call around the league there's no re- there's no reason to let portland know that KD's available because he doesn't want to go to portland <laughs> um, would you i mean like i like portland the city just fine but i'm gonna go there and lose i've never so, been but Dave, Phoenix, i think you agree with good me shot. on this small cities i'm a big fan of small I'm, oh, i I'm, love small I'm, towns milwaukee yeah. pittsburgh big fan of the small yeah. city you know the, the one you could consume in a weekend right yeah I imagine Portland's sort of similar in that way. It is, yeah. Super walkable. It's a great place. Maybe but Kevin Durant. Don't just, it's about basketball for Kevin Durant. And, and but he wants to play scene. basketball, right? Like, And he wants to play basketball in June. Okay, let Portland's me ask you not this. the place for that. If of realistic, and I don't know if you've thought about this, but of realistic possibilities, this is kind of going down the lane a little bit, but if you were Kevin Durant, this is a guy who left OKC for Golden State because – he wanted to win championships. He went to the best basketball situation possible. You brought up Denver. I actually think Denver would have been that, amazing. Wouldn't that have been the Kevin Durant? Like that would actually cemented his legacy as like this guy just wants to ball. If he went to Denver, <laughs> yeah. if he requested to go to Denver just to play with, I would imagine. Well, 
I don't even want to make up a fake trade. I mean, the fake trade on that one is hard because, you know, it's like Jamal Murray, maybe. It's definitely Michael Porter Jr., but it may be Jamal Murray, right? But still, Jokic and KD is so enticing. Oh, that's a title. Um, That's the thing is that the Suns traded for a really, really great shot at a title. Yeah. And it, so, and so what what am I supposed to make of of Bridges and Cam Johnson? I you know, obviously I saw they they nearly beat the Sixers, um, a game where you know they had the lead and then they blew it, which is I think going to be the script for them this season. I'm excited about the team. I don't want to make it seem like I'm not. Well, but, not enough Cam Thomas in that game. If if you had more <laughs> Cam Thomas in that game, they win it, and that's not even a joke. They they it's need a, a guy. Joke. You need a guy who can stir the drink. Like, I mean, a a guy who can actually get you buckets is important, especially with guys like these three and D wings that you guys just picked up. The guys that are going to be smart cutters. You need a guy who attracts the defense so that the smart cutters can work cuts. Um, You know, Mikael Bridges got a a lot of run as like the number two guy, and it was hit or miss. He's better than you think at, at, you know, stuff off the dribble. Cam Johnson. Probably worse than you think at stuff off the dribble. Um, Cam Johnson's like, you know, maybe the next Danny Green. Um, we'll, we'll see how that works out for him. But I, I think, you know, you're coming from you. It is you're a like, compliment. Oh, it's yeah, a compliment. I'm a big okay. fan of Cam Johnson. I, I think, you know, he was derided as a draft pick because he was older. And I don't have that bias, man. I, I only my bias is toward players who know how to play basketball already. I would rather have a guy who's 27 years old as a rookie who knows how to, you know, go play basketball. He can jump right into rotation, be a seventh or eighth man, uh, than a guy who's 19 and doesn't even know how to tie his shoes. So um, my bias toward toward good players has made me like Cam Johnson since he came in the league, and and he's been healthier. You know, I mean, this year kind of had that knee thing, but the hip hasn't been a problem for him, and he's a really good athlete. So um, I mean, you got guys who are pretty similar, and they're you know. Three and D wings. And again, I'm going to throw Dorian Finney Smith in there, um, who's turned into a really, really good and knockdown three point shooter. So uh, you've got guys who can guard, you've got guys who know how to play basketball. And it's now a high floor, you know, low ceiling team. Like you mentioned, you know, end of game stuff, last five minutes, who's going to get the ball? That's going to be the question the team has to answer a lot. And, and a lot of times it's going to be a guy who's just not up for the task because the NBA, that's where the stars make their money. If you were Sean Marks and there's a lot of trade for Damian Lillard, add him to this team and you're doing some stuff. Would you, would you have pulled the trigger right now on the bridges for, 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 for first round picks? And I do want to say like, there's some people are saying, Oh, they would have been highly protected or, or lightly, moderately protected, whatever you actually can't protect four first round picks on a certain level. Like, you know, cause they have to convey if you're Garrett, if you're saying, this team is going to get four for they're going to get our next four eligible first round picks. You actually can't protect them into the future uh, so dramatically. I think that almost the last one has to be unprotected on some level. Um, would you have done that? Looking at the roster, you know, it, it's tough because I think there was emotions at stake. I think it was Joe Sy factor where he didn't want to suck. He didn't want this team to suck. There's a reason yeah. for the Nets to suck because all their picks are in Houston. Um, w- is is Bridges worth four first round picks to the Nets as opposed to the Grizzlies? Because I think the Grizzlies, you know, if they get him, he's like 
that's a fantastic. That's a really good team. And and yeah. those picks, you know, it'd be a few years. Like you would want to kick those to the future, obviously, you, you know, um, down, down the road when the small market team is struggling to keep their stars, right? Like th- this is where Brooklyn has to think like a big shark and, and try to take advantage of the small markets. Um, I don't know if the, if the four picks are, are worth it, because like you said, there's no incentive for them to be bad themselves. Matter of fact, they could easily retool. I mean, they did just get a bunch of new assets added to the to the toolbox but after the mess of the last few years and with the with the lack there's no information coming out as to why this is a toxic work environment according to you know former players or whatever like there's not a a thing where like we're hearing about um well it was because details because kevin durant could no longer pick the players i don't know if you uh, I mean, look, man, like if, if I'm a player there and I can't pick the players, I want the GM fired too. Yeah. Um, I think that's who what... hired the coach, you know, the, the coach that they didn't have. I don't know. Look, man, Kyrie's selfless leadership really just uh, self, self-professed Dude, it is selfless so leadership just I don't, led the way. New York Magazine released a big, they had a big Kyrie Irving story that just came out, which I feel bad for, you know, you and I work in media. We understand. Yeah. When that story is being developed, it's being developed, you know, maybe a year in the making, and they had no anticipation that Kyrie would have got traded at the deadline. It's New York Magazine. Um, But going through all that, it's like, you you know, they're, um, you know, this, this podcast that you're on was one of sort of the leading voices in Nets world about the anti-Semitic video that Kyrie tweeted out. And it's just, you kind of go through it. Everyone says, if you're a teammate of Kyrie's, at least publicly, that they love the guy. Like, sure, Cam Thomas, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all these people talk about. I mean, Jalen Brown was sort of on the front lines with Kyrie during that moment, partly because well, of his role. I mean, what? I mean, you know, J- yeah. Jalen Brown probably doesn't disagree completely with Kyrie on yes. that one. Yes, yeah, but so. so, but still, he he was willing to put himself out there and answer questions about a very sensitive topic sure. that he technically had nothing to do with, right? And But I always kind of said it like this. It's like, if you had a coworker, may have been a great hang, hilarious, great around the water cooler, water coolers exist. I hope they don't. They're probably bad for the environment. Um, that, But also, like, that person never did their job, <laughs> didn't show up. <laughs> Never showed up, never filed the reports, whatever reports they had right. to file. Never responded to your slacks. All they did was they were funny in a couple of key moments. They were nice. They had some good ideas, kind of like Don Draper and Mad Men. Like Don Draper could pull it off, right? In the oh, moment. he's an executive producer, man. But he got dr- <laughs> like you know he would just get drunk at at work and, yeah. and be a mess and sleep in his office and wake up and you know like totally disrupt the workplace, right? And disappear. Kyrie was basically Don Draper. We're like. There was moments of brilliance, but most of it was like this guy was trying to figure out who he was, and it didn't it didn't work in in Brooklyn. And as a Nets yeah. fan, I'm excited to see what's how this is going to impact the team going forward. Um, We're all just lucky Kyrie does something that's inconsequential yes. to society. Yes, you know, because if he like imagine if he had an important job, right? Well, and was you know not just didn't show up. I, now look, this is a Nets podcast. We should move on from Kyrie because, frankly, like I, I, I was pretty can't. bored. I'm trying, I was bored of the whole thing, man. Like uh, the best, the best parts of Kyrie's time in Brooklyn were on the basketball court. 
I love watching this dude play basketball. And he was hooping with those guys this year. And I was so disappointed when he asked for the trade. Now, look, from the business perspective, right? Like, this is not just crazy Kyrie or whatever people want to color this as. Business-wise, he wasn't going to get a max there, right? The, the, the well was kind of, like, dry. Uh, whether his fault or not, which probably his fault, right? Relationships matter. Uh, but he wasn't getting a max there. So asking out was the move because he's got a better shot at a max in Dallas than he had in Brooklyn. That's it. So I disagree with that only because of this. I think if, and I don't know the relationship between Kevin Durant and Kyrie, there's been a lot of speculation that they are very good friends, but that Kevin Durant for a long time, going back to his trade request this summer, was tied in part because he didn't want to be tied to Kyrie. Now, I think maybe that question's been put to bed because the fact Kyrie gets traded and then, what, four days later, Kevin Durant gets traded. So there's obviously some level of that KD wanted to play with Kyrie. Um, and there's also even conversation that um, that Kyrie would want to go to Phoenix at some point. He wants to go to LA, right? And, and again, as a Nets fan, I don't miss that. I don't miss sort of the buzz the the next step before we're even taking our first step here but I, I do think that there's some level of like if he had just continued to ball out like he was doing um he was exhibiting pretty great signs of leadership at least from what we could see from him on the court him playing defense him galvanizing the team in big moments on the court which is part of the job that i think the max contract could have been in brooklyn it could have been in Brooklyn potentially. Now you probably, you know, I. It's difficult to say now. For ownership, things... winning could solve everything. But Kyrie yeah. Irving has proven over and over again that winning is not the most important thing. And yes. and like I don't say I don't even say that lightly, but that's just the truth, man. He left a a winning situation, a title contender in Cleveland. He did the same thing in Boston, and we watched him. We all watched him, and none of us said it out loud, but we all watched him quit live. In Milwaukee, game six, we watched that happen. And I mean, here, he was winning basketball games. They were going to be, if KD was coming back and, and, you know, could hit the ground running, that team had a shot at making the finals. I put them with anybody because of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and that shot making. The defense had come around. They had started to get healthy. Like they actually had a team. And even at, now, even after the Kyrie trade, I was like, oh, I still like this team. But, you know, you lose KD, it's over. But yeah. uh, so winning doesn't winning doesn't even cover up the warts for for Kyrie. I guess to to a certain degree, you have to tip your cap and say, hey, at least he's consistent. If he's not if he's not happy, you can't just smooth it over by winning some basketball games. But, you know, when your job is to be a basketball player, you would think that the winning stuff would actually matter. I, I don't know, man, man. You know, kind of a radical idea there, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but th- that being said, he's also a guy who's kind of a part-time basketball player. He's much more of a, a a personality, right, than he is a basketball player. If you go look at the last few years, I mean, how how much basketball does he actually play? I yeah, feel like I, mean, I hear it, more about what he does off the court, what his opinion. I, I know more about how this guy feels about conspiracy theories than I do, like, about, like, really, like, a lot. Of stuff on the court. Like I got a lot of on-court questions about Kyrie from a health perspective and all these other things. I just can't see him string, you know, months and months together. Like, what is he gonna look like in the playoffs this year in Dallas? Like he's gonna have to defend. How's he gonna hold up? I can't answer those questions because 
I'm just thinking, all right, man, when's the next? Hey, he's in Dallas. Is he going to have some JFK takes or or what? You know? I have, can I ask you this? Okay. In 2017, the Cavaliers traded Kyrie Irving to Boston. This was the package. They got back Isaiah Thomas. And he was hurt. And he was hurt with the hip. Jay Crowder. Anti Zizic. Anti Zizic. Anti Zizic. Yeah. And then the Nets unprotected first round pick that became Colin Sexton. Okay. So an unprotected pick in 2018, which was the next year. Isaiah Thomas hurt. Jay Crowder. And Zizic. This package for the Nets, Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, and a 2029 unprotected Dallas Mavericks pick. What's actually, I've honestly thought about this. It's a decent haul. I think it's basically the same package because Jay Crowder at the time was good. Was good. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if he, I mean, he was basically sort of the same as what Dorian Finney-Smith is now. Not the player. Like, yeah, I, you know, yeah. they play the same, but, you know, they were impact the on winning is probably about the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Dinwood, I mean, we know the fact what happened to Isaiah after you know mm-hmm. he, he was done. You know, I mean he there were some good moments, I think, with LeBron like a little bit, right? Yeah. But uh, so it's interesting that Kyrie gets that 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 package was obviously Kyrie couldn't have been a bigger name. And again, the standing of Isaiah Thomas, the thinking was that he was what he was. But the Nets essentially got the same kind of package, um, in effect. And the 2029 first round pick is it going to be 10? I think it was 10 overall, which is what the Nets the Nets gave up the 10 overall pick to Cleveland that year. I think that's the eighth overall. That's where Colin Sexton was picked. I know. I think it's interesting. Last question for you another hypothetical. All right. There was rumors that the Houston Rockets wanted uh, Bridges. If the Nets could get back their own. If the because the team is a disaster and they need people who aren't disasters, they need some old guys down there. Is what they need. Like they need like Bridges is comparatively old to guess, yeah. what their roster is. There was a rumor. I it was it got floated out there the second the Nets got Bridges. If the Nets could return back, let's say two of their unprotected picks at a swap, get back their stuff. Would you yeah. do that? Is that interest to you? Because what uh, what we're saying is then the you'd Nets have to it would have to be tanking destiny, right? It would have to be in conjunction with a full on tank, and I mean yeah. like everything is out, even Cam Thomas. Like this would like if no. they were going to bring no, about Cam, it, no, D- Dave, this is too that's too far. Free Cam Thomas, we're here already. I don't want him on a tanking team. How many first um, round picks is Cam Thomas? Like five? Three, is no, it no? Yeah, uh, it's three seconds, which translates to a, a first so like, and a half. I think yeah, yeah. Um, but. You know, it's not a bad. It's not a bad deal, but you know, I, I think if you really wanted to do it, you say, "Hey, give us Jalen Jalen Green, and maybe two of our picks back," and and you go for something like that. Because not only that, Jalen Green might help you tank, but you get a chance at a young player who might be a star. You know, I mean, I think Jalen Green as a scorer is a star. It's just can he do the other stuff that keeps you on the basketball court? Um, but it, if you're shopping Mikael Bridges, I, I think there's going to be a market for it. The guy is the preeminent three and D wing in the league. I believe, I mean, I think he's, if he's not the best, he's in the top three or four. So uh, he, he's going to have a market, what he does for your defense and with his ability to stick the three and do a little bit off the dribble. I mean, he's definitely gonna have a market or he's young enough that you start saying, Hey, 
what's our next team look like? And do we just try to turn this thing around fast, like old school Houston style, where they just wouldn't tank? You know, it, it, does Joe Sy have the stomach to be okay as a basketball team? Because I would, I would look at the team that they had that they blew up to get Kyrie and KD, and I'd say no, he was star hunting, but he's a a little bit more of a seasoned owner now. He kind of had that trial by fire because he got what he wanted, and it turned out to be a fucking disaster. Yeah. So what if he just says, you know what? Maybe we don't need stars. What if the Brooklyn Nets? was a star what if the team was a star we just had a bunch of good role players maybe we get you know, i'm a, laughing a, at a, you dave i'm laughing a, a bradley beal level guy right like a top 25 <laughs> one top don't 25 do guy don't send bradley you just have everybody else being top 100 guys and you just have this team that's you know the fifth or sixth or seventh seed every year but they're in the playoffs every year and your team has a, an identity and some consistency jacques vaughn is a great coach Great can't coach. lose him right like so just put a winning team out there that's fine like it, it's okay this this thing that smart guys did where it's championship or bust is just ruined the nba it's totally fine to just be okay that's my favorite kind of team i don't want to care too much i want you to be okay then i can be happy when you win and i can be sad when you lose instead of devastated or just like ah, of course you should win yeah, I mean, honestly, there's we we kind of circle back to the beginning, but the Nets just got blown out by the Knicks. But there is this already this feeling that just happened. <laughs> yeah, but but there is already a feeling with it's early days, it's the honeymoon period, whatever you wanted to, however you want to describe it. But there's a level of joy amongst like the true Net fandom that they you know some people hate Sean Marks, some people hate Josiah. And there's always going to be people who are angry at the people who are running the basketball teams. And I'm going to separate that for a moment. Just like having players that you don't, you aren't afraid to, that they're going to get offended at sort of like the way the wind blows and right. they want to leave town, right? The, the insecurity. Basket, that you sort of you got basketball players yeah. out there, people that want to play basketball. That's what they do for a living. Like, I'm not going to say you guys went blue collar again, but you did, right? Like to a certain degree, you have guys that just show up. They've got nobody out there is a superstar. Nobody out there is, has anything guaranteed to them beyond the contract that they're on. None of them are good enough to just get by on name alone. I mean, I, there's, Again, the, this is a Dave Dufour team, right? Like this is all a, a bunch of hungry guys who are going to play defense. They're going to try to play smart. They're going to share the sugar. And it's going to be fun to watch as a basketball product. You may not win a title. You're probably not going to win a title because we know that the NBA does come down to that individual shot creation stuff. But it's still going to be more fun to root for than, I mean, you know, like having to do the other stuff where it's almost like as a basketball fan. And, and again, this is a product of being two online, but you, you know, your basketball fandom gets wrapped up into being a propagandist. Yeah. You know, um, I just want to commend us. We did not talk about Ben Simmons. <laughs> well, what is there to talk about? I mean, let's just be honest. Like I feel bad. I feel There's bad stuff. for Ben Simmons, man, because you know, I, I think that that guy at one point was just such a unique player uh, who had massive flaws playing basketball with the wrong hand because he was brought up to play with the wrong hand, which is just very crass thing, you know, like, cause it's harder to guard lefties or whatever. Um, but you know, he's been 
in spite of that massive limitation, he still was Ben Simmons, all-star, yeah. you know, like defense. What he is Fun as a watch. defender or what he could could be as a defender uh, at his peak it was special. Um, I don't think that guy's ever going to be that guy again, whether it's physical or mental or whatever it is, because I don't know that necessarily he's got the – I don't know if he's got what it takes to, to get back there, you know? He hasn't proven that he does. And if it's just the health thing, then he just needs to take time off because this in and out of the lineup stuff clearly is not working. You know, he if he can't get healthy and can't stay in shape, you got to just sit. Maybe he should just take the rest of the season off. I know. I mean, one of my secret, not, not secret desires, I mean, was, I was loudly proclaiming it was, you know, we did a whole episode before Kyrie asked out for his trade was, you know, trade Ben Simmons for any anything. You know, Josh Richardson and Jakob Pertle or you know whatever he could have gotten. And I, I don't think he is he is in that class of no nothing's untradeable. But he's in the top tier of worst contracts right now. Um, and it sucks because he was like we talk about. Like I remember during just to finish up during this past draft, I forget. I think that I think Perk compared parts of Bancaro's game to Ben Simmons on some like sort of the size and some element of ball handling. I, I really, it was, it was kind of a tough, you know, Perk had those really nice and anal- uh, comparisons. Um, and they showed highlights of Ben Simmons when he was good. And I was like, Oh my God, look at this. Look at this guy. He was a he was monster. Amazing. dude. He was a monster. And I don't Physically. know that guy anymore. I don't, yeah, I haven't it, seen him. It's weird. Um, hey, look, he's got bad hands, right? He doesn't have good touch. He has bad hands. He can't catch the basketball, and he has bad touch. So his finishing around the basket is bad. And then he can't shoot free throws. So his bad finishing around the basket is also hesitant because he doesn't want to get touched because he doesn't want to get fouled. So that turns into him not shooting ever, right? Um, He has been just killed by – I would argue there's been a lot of bad coaching, a lot of bad advice uh, on the court, off the court with the stuff that he's been doing, like uh, whatever basketball training. I'm only talking basketball here. I don't care about any uh, other stuff. But from a basketball perspective, he has just not had good people around him to challenge him as a basketball player to improve. You know, um, talk like coaches in his in his NBA career have used like talking to the media to try to get this guy to shoot threes. Like that's the thing that's going to f- solve him or whatever. he's been done a disservice. Now he has not helped himself in any way whatsoever because it's up to you, the individual to get better at the stuff that you're bad at. And you already made it to the NBA. I I just, I can't wrap my head around a guy with that sort of physical, those gifts, you know, but being born that tall, man, uh, you're not born that tall, but growing that tall, you know, having those sorts of genetics, you know, you you already have such a leg up on everybody else. And, you know, a little bit of work and and you could be one of the best players in the league. I mean, now a little bit of work. I say that like, it's just easy. He may not have it, but I don't, I don't feel like he's ever really fully put the work in. I mean, it is never shown. I've never seen one bit of improvement in any part of his game whatsoever. Not you gotta one. Follow him on, you got to follow him on Instagram. He'll show you the work. You know, it's I don't outfit. follow basketball people on Instagram, man. You got to follow, you got to follow Instagram. Him. Instagram is for like climbing, hiking, <laughs> dog videos um, dave i appreciate it thank you i took away too much way too much of your time i mean I've, i got a little long-winded on you it's been too long <laughs> it's good to see you. i'll see you in salt lake and we'll talk about i hope you drive the car i don't know if I you could say what kind of car but it's I'm a, very yeah, it's a vanagon 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try the van. I'll give you a van tour. That's perfect. All right. Thanks, Dave. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.